Welcome into On Deck, April 18th, 2018, about three weeks into the 2018 campaign. David Spampanato with you alongside Emmanuel Barbari and Devin Clemente across from me. Boys, how are we doing? We're doing well. Glad to be here. Uh, yeah, pretty ugly showing by the Yankees last <laughs> night, but uh, making it through. Yeah, and that's that's rough no matter how you look at it. I mean, 9 nothing. Tanaka, just from the get-go, you can kind of tell he didn't have it. Um, and then this guy, Yarlin Garcia, just shutting down New York ball clubs. Yeah, What's absolutely. up with that? <laughs> Yankees haven't made a lot of sense yet. They'll, they'll look serviceable against some better pitchers and then get absolutely stonewalled by some right, right. not-so-good pitchers. And Tanaka, you know, he, he tends to have those nights where he, everything stays flat. Maybe Harlan Garcia is good. I mean, 10 Who knows? straight, <laughs> straight no-hit innings to start his career. Oh, my <laughs> not God. Not too bad. I mean, we'll see. I mean, you know, that, you know, that new uh, – Talent development. They just got everything new in Miami. I mean, he could be a part of that uh, that potential upswing for the Miami Marlins. We'll see what happens with that. But uh, yeah, and with Tanaka, when he leaves the ball up, he gets killed. He really does. He does. And everyone's wondering now, were the playoffs last year some sort of aberration? Because Tanaka totally locked in. But when you take away the playoffs and a few starts in the second half last year, Tanaka's been pretty bad for yeah. for, for over a year now. And Really, he doesn't have the stuff to get it done when his splitter isn't doing what it's supposed to. And I think that's the problem because he ha- doesn't have that same ability to weather the storm anymore. And, and it's a killer for the for the Yankees team specifically because their big question coming into the season was not the lineup, not the bullpen, two of the best in baseball, the starting pitching. And when mm. you don't have your number two, two starter living up to the expectations, I mean, it's ve- really right now what they've had is Severino is a bona fide ace. And then yeah. basically a mixed bag of three, four, and five starters. You're right in saying that. And the Yankees, I had no problem with the five-man staff they came in with. It did the job for them last year. But there was a lack of depth, which is why some people were calling for pitching help. Because if one starter tragically underperforms or one starter goes down with an extended injury and the Yankees almost got that, they dodged a bullet with Sabathia, the Yankees are in trouble. Right. Because the starting rotation just isn't deep enough. It doesn't have enough top-heavy arms where one guy goes down, you're in even more than more trouble than you are right now. And and here's the thing. I, I did have questions about Tanaka coming into the season, but prior to this season, I was always a big Sonny Gray guy. I thought he had a lot of potential for for an extended period of time on the A's. He was pretty much an ace. I hadn't know? seen him pitch a ton when he was with Oakland, right. but then I kind of saw him more mm-hmm. with, when he joined the Yankees, and I was like, I don't really like this guy. Because, I mean, he throws hard for a little guy. Mm-hmm. He's no more than 5'10", 5'11", 190, though it gets it up to about 95. But he's just around the zone. He doesn't locate. And it's weird because I, I actually did like watching him with the A's. Um, and, and he was a really good pitcher, showed a lot of potential and promise. But it, it's almost like since he's gone to the Yankees and he's been slotted in as that number three starter, he's playing down to that number three starter spot. He had a brutal 2016. Yeah, yeah. he had a brutal 2016. And, and when you look at what he does, he has some good stuff, and he shies away from attacking the zone. Yeah. He, he, he's a nibbler in the truest sense mm-hmm. of the word. And the Yankees are a team that will make you use the breaking ball more, and I think that's hurting Sonny Gray right now because when he attacks, we saw it through the first eight, nine starts with the Yankees. He was phenomenal. And then he really just... Everything has been a struggle since then. Yeah, and uh, you know, for the Yankees, eight and eight, like I mentioned before, we got to get that rotation uh, figured out, and you know, and we'll, we'll dig into some lineup issues with them moving on. But you know, across across town, the New York Mets are surprising some people. I mean, I thought 
at this point, a lot of people would have thought the Yankees would be the 12-4 and 4 team. The Mets would be at about 500, which was their expectation coming into the year. I think their over-under was 80 wins. So, you know, that's what one, one game below 500. And they've been cruising, and they've been picking up wins against the Washington Nationals, a team they can never beat. So that's always big for the Mets. I mean, they lost last night, but this rotation is, is coming to form. I mean, it's nice to see the big five finally coming together. Um, especially, and and I think that one of the keys here is Zach Wheeler. I mean, coming up from the from the minors, he he didn't make the rotation out of spring training, but coming up and having really a great start. He was the first starter this year for the Mets to get into the seventh inning. Great start against the Marlins, and then last night against the Nationals, you know, he 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 had the battle, but to see him with that mental fortitude that he really hasn't exhibited the past four or five years. I know two of those years were lost due to injury, but. I really haven't seen that from him, and to see that yesterday, it's really a promising sign for what the rotation can do in the future. With the Mets, I don't even think the starting rotation, although it's healthy and and you get the five together for the first time, I don't even think it's impressed me that much. I think there's still a ways to go for them to reach their ceiling, and I didn't think they'd have a problem scoring runs entering the season either. I thought they had good pieces in the middle of the lineup and some good balance. But the bullpen's been the difference. I mean, it's been unreal. Besides that one blunder that one against yeah. the Nationals where they blew the 6-1 lead, the Gazelmans and Lugos of the world have have deepened that bullpen, and that was really the question mark. That was the downfall entering the season. And it's just it's it's it makes so much sense to keep them in that bullpen because their struggles throughout their throughout their early careers has been that second and third time through the lineup. The first time through the lineup, their lights out. Second time, middling. Third time, they've been getting hammered throughout their careers. So to get them in that kind of long man situation in the bullpen, they have some really good stuff. Because Elman Sinker, Lugo has one of the best curveballs in the game. And yeah. now he's finally getting the velocity up there on his fastball. I think that really the sky's the limit with those two guys as as far as how much they can do for this New York Mets bullpen. I think Lugo has the best spin rate in the league yeah. on his curveball. So I think you're right about that. And... You know what? I mean, the Yankees, it's almost the opposite of the bullpen from the Yankees because the Yankees have a ton of these guys that can just go one, maybe two innings, like Kane, Lee, Robertson, mm-hmm. Matanzas. But then when you have Lugo and when you have Gazelman, guys that can go four, even five innings if you absolutely need them to and can pitch consecutive days, it really lengthens out your bullpen a ton. And I think that's one of the problems with the Yankee bullpen right now is you should be going two innings more with these guys. When you pull them after an inning and then you go to another guy, it just heightens the chance that you're going to blow the game because mm-hmm. you have five or six elite arms out there, but there's a chance that one of them is going to have an off day. So if you're clinging to a one-run lead and then Chapman, Batances, and Robertson perform, but Kane Lee doesn't, right. you lose the game. And right. then it looks like you have a bad bullpen. Yeah, and then when Swarzak went down, a lot of Mets fans were like, oh, no, what are we? You know, this yeah. is just you know going back over what we've done year after year. And then, like you said, Lugo and Gazelman rising to the occasion, you know, and then Jerry Blevins is reliable. I mean, he's going to do what he does, but do you do you prefer him in that lefty specialist role that Collins had him in, or do you think he should be maybe going full innings and, you know, going right after whoever he's got to face? I, w- I would lengthen him out a little bit. I mean, if you look at what happened um, in that one just horrible inning that I don't even want to think about anymore against the Nats, you had you ba- Mickey Calloway basically used four guys to get two outs, and they, cou- and they couldn't do it. Um, he put Lugo in there, four straight balls, walked the batter, and then Harper was coming up, and he just immediately defaulted to to uh, Jerry Blevins. They were up by five runs. At that point, I just leave Lugo in there and not really tinker too much. This constant tinkering with Blevins has to go in against the lefty or, or, or whatever, It I think that it really damages them. On a night where Jacob deGrom goes into the eighth inning, 
you should not use five relievers out of your bullpen. That's disastrous, and you, it's not sustainable over a full course of the season. If if you're the Mets, you definitely don't want to be losing a game like that. You have right. DeGrom going into the eighth inning with a 6-1 lead, and I agree with the Blevins idea just because I don't think Gazelman and Lugo and some of the other guys that have been stepping up in the bullpen, this is completely sustainable for the entire season. Blevins is one of the guys who's proven as one of your more reliable arms. So you want him facing lefties and righties moving forward, especially when you're not getting the same kind of production from the others. And then the rotation. You know, Syndergaard, hopefully, I don't know if I would say you know what you're going to get, but he's going to be nasty when he's healthy, and he's proven that. I'd just like to see him go a little deeper into games. I mean, he's a high strikeout guy, which means his pitch count's going to be pretty high. Um, but, you know, five innings is just not, to me at least, I'm just not blown away by five innings, ten strikeouts, and, oh, look at this nasty sinker no, that he threw. I, I'm, I'm completely with you, although that sinker was, it looked like oh wiffle God. ball out there. I mean, <laughs> Unbelievable. It was insane. But you're completely right. And I think that that's been the big issue with the um, – the Mets starters up to this point, it's been that they haven't really attacked the strike zone, the exception being Jacob deGrom. I think Jake made it into the eighth inning the other night with like 85 pitches or something like that, and then because of the long inning, he got over 100, but he was really attacking the strike zone. Same thing with Wheeler yesterday, and that's been his big Achilles heel as well. So I really like what I'm seeing. If It seems like Dave Island and and, uh, and Mickey Callaway are getting them to attack the strike zone more, so I'm going to expect them to go deeper into games. Um, we still have to see that with Syndergaard, but also coming off the injury, I think that there's a little bit of a of a, an adjustment period. But you're completely right. They have to get deeper, and uh, if that means cutting down the strikeouts, so be it. My big thing with the Mets entering the year was you get one more guy to step up but Syndergaard and DeGrom because I think those are two givens if they're healthy, yeah, that right. they're just going to be front-line sure. aces. Yeah, DeGrom, DeGrom has been sure, that yeah. for, for two, three years now. One more, maybe a Harvey or a Matt steps up and has a big year. And then you insert Jason Vargas in there in a little bit. And I think he's a shoe-in for at least a 3-8 to 4 ERA and he'll eat up innings for you. So then you have four out of five really good starters. But I think the key there is will a Matz or a Harvey really come into his zone? Because I'm not concerned about Syndergaard or DeGrom. I think they're going to be solid. No, I'm not concerned about them either. I If you're asking me who I have more faith in right now between Harvey and Matz, I'm going to go with Steven Matz. And he's okay. also a lefty. So I think that adding that lefty to... Um, your two strong righties at the front end of the rotation would be really great. And over his past two starts, he has looked really good. Their worst of the five so far, Wheeler included, has been Matt Harvey. Wheeler's been better. Um, so, I, I mean, Harvey, the past couple of years, he's been he's had basically the two worst injuries any pitcher could have with thoracic outlet syndrome and Tommy John surgery. So I'm not really sure what to expect out of him at this point. Um, but... It seemed like Mickey Callaway's kind of adopted him as like his pet pop project. They were looking to trade him in the offseason. They didn't because Callaway wanted to keep him. So I'm still looking forward to see what we get out of him. But as far as who I have the least confidence in the rotation, it's Matt Harvey. I'm a Harvey guy. I always kind of have been. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I, I used to love, even when he was on the Yankees and he was older, I used to wa- love watching Roger Clemens pitch because I was like, mm-hmm. this guy's so yeah. competitive. Yeah. He's super intense. And I used to feel the same way about Harvey. I don't see that anymore. Well, I mean, I they have the Mets classics on SNY all the time, and I was watching one. It was actually Harvey against the Yankees. They had this great, this great uh, two-one win, and 
Hardy's just up game. there. He's he's up there just he's mowing dealing. guys oh. down, dealing. He's he's got the lip in, li- oh, yeah. <laughs> lip in, <laughs> the bloody <laughs> nose, the bloody yeah. nose. I mean, he was he was the man, and it, I I don't know if it's, oh, it's I love that dark night. It, it was Matt awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. It was fun. It got you pumped, and I don't know if it's the injuries or if he's in his own head, but if he can get back to that kind of just competitive savage out there on the mound, I mean, the sky is the limit for this rotation. If he can find even a, even an inkling of that I think it's a confidence thing for Harvey because his stuff has been good but it's never been great and he's just that fierce competitor he's that guy that just gets it done he Mm -hmm. he he finds a way to get through the opposing lineup and has that it factor hasn't had that it factor and and that's when the stuff kind of looks underwhelming to you because he's not just out there competing and being a bulldog for you Mm -hmm. and the velo is not there right now I mean it's not I don't know if he'll be able to work back to that because like you said he's had those injuries and you know, that, that could be an issue, and I don't know if he'll be able to get it back up to 95, 96. But for the Mets, I mean, the bullpen's been great. The rotation has been rock solid. Offense is ninth in the league in runs, yeah. but it's it's getting the job done. I mean, you yeah. have his Drupal Cabrera, who's way over overperforming. He's been playing great. Frazier's been great. Cespedes and Bruce have kind of lagged behind a little bit, and they're going to work Conforto back in. I'm not overly concerned about this lineup to be honest right but and and Cabrera's really been unbelievable and I saw a stat yesterday that since mid-August of last year Cabrera's actually been batting 350 which has been insane and wasn't um, that around the time that they were like moving him to yes, second base yes. and he was like I want to get out yes, of here yes and then he changed his mind mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's exactly it and I don't know if that lit a fire under him or what but I agree with you I'm not overly um worried about the lineup at all the the Achilles heel for the Mets that really um that really uh, worries me is really the same on both sides uh, of the ball in terms of steals. So the Mets have been stolen on 21 out of 22 times this year, which is almost which is almost impossible. I mean, you would think at some point a guy would make a mistake <laughs> and 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 you'd you'd get more than one caught stealing. 21 out of 22 guys successfully stealing on you is insanity. Um, and then on the other side, they don't really have a lot of speedy guys that can steal those bases. So you're not getting a lot of free passes. Um, I would like to see Nimmo out there more over Jay Bruce because I think that he's just the prototypical leadoff hitter. I think he's been great. And also, Ahmed Ahmed Rosario needs to get his walks up and start stealing bases because he's by far and away the fastest guy on the team and they need that aspect of the game. Keep in mind, ninth in the league in runs, Cespedes 203, three homers, and he's striking out almost as much as a guy like Stanton. And then you have Bruce your leader in power last year before he was traded one home run 216 so right. you're doing all this without your two big boppers doing anything and right they're, they're ninth in runs but they're third in ops so i think the runs could be on the way mm. yeah looking and, at that and and bruce I, I i really like jay bruce but if you're gonna ask me who i want there more between him and brandon nimmo i like brandon nimmo more as a player and he also adds that speed on the base paths um but the thing about the, the thing about Cespedes is He's had the he's had the flu for like a week now, and he's still getting key hits with two outs, runners in scoring position. He's still throwing a couple of guys out um, on outfield assists at third base. So I'm not too worried about him. Bruce, I Bruce is the main guy that I haven't seen enough from. Just you just wonder when they get hot, how exactly. good this offense actually could be, and it's already right, been good. Right, right, yeah. So the Mets, I mean, look like they could potentially be able to keep it up. Look like they're they're playing like a playoff team right now. And it's so early that I don't even want to make you guys. I don't want to make any predictions because it's it's the third, it's the second week in April. Too early, yeah. Yeah, it's way too early. We'll switch back to the Yankees. We touched on them earlier. Nine-one um, loss to the Marlins. 
they're at 500 right now. And like I just said, it's super early, so you don't want to look into it too much. And it's baseball. Anyone can beat anyone. Um, but it's just not cool if you're the Yankees. You're like, come on. Like, you know, this is A, it's Derek Jeter's team. So you're like, all right, we got to beat the crap out of these guys. And then two, they're the Marlins. You know, this is a team that's supposed to win 40 games this year. It's funny because they went all over them on Monday. Yeah. And that was majorly overshadowed by last night. And it should be because you shouldn't be losing in any situation 9-1 to the Marlins this year. But Monday was pretty promising. Almost everyone in the lineup hit. And I think right now it's the Yankees just not finding that consistency. When when Stanton's looking like he's turning the corner, you're not getting production elsewhere. And when Sanchez is starting to turn the corner, Stanton's not doing anything. Right. So there's not really uh, that depth in the lineup top to bottom. There have been a few really promising signs so far. Judge looks even better than last year. He's taking his walks. His his average is up at 340 right now, and he's hitting the ball out of the park. And Didi's been unbelievable. He ranks top in for shortstops in basically every category. But there are a lot of flaws, like Stanton, like yeah. the starting rotation, like the bullpen. <laughs> I, I saw something the other day. I think it was kind of old, actually. But it said, Didi Gregorius is the best left-handed hitter in the American League. And I thought about it. I was like, there's no way that could be possible. And I went through. I was like, okay, Mookie's a righty. Judge's a righty. Stanton's a righty. And I kept going through. Altuve, Lindor, Ramirez, switch hitters. The only two guys I could think of that are maybe competitive with Didi for that spot are Kyle Seeger and Robinson Cano. It's actually crazy to think that there aren't that, that many crazy. good left-handed hitters yeah, in the yeah. American League. That, I mean, the case could be made, actually, yeah, especially if Didi it. stays somewhat at this clip. Of course, he'll come a little back, bit back down to earth, but he's made strides basically every season he's been in the league. Every season, and, and last year he was outstanding as well, mm-hmm. so it doesn't surprise me at all. Didi, might, Didi actually is definitely the Yankees' most underrated player, and he might be yeah. all around their best player. I mean, outside of Luis Severino, all around field, speed, hitting, he might be their best player. I'm I'm still gonna give it to Judge. I mean, Judge, Judge. Everyone thought at this point a year ago, this guy's a fluke. You know, he's just, you know, getting the getting fastballs down the middle, and it's gonna fall off. And you know, he had a little slump, but then the most impressive part about him was that he made the adjustment in September. Yeah, and he was unbelievable. And now he's continuing to do that. Um, if I'm a Yankees fan, which I'm not, I mean, I'm I'm not overly concerned. I'm just not because. Either. Because the ERA is one of the worst in the American League, which I think will come down just because this pitching staff is too talented for that to continue. But uh, the offense is still scoring runs. They're fourth in the American yep. League in runs scored. So, Yeah, like you, like you said, they're fourth in the American League. And there's so much depth throughout the lineup that when a guy like Stanton or Sanchez is in a slump, there's three or four or five more guys that are going to pick it up, like Didi or like Judge or whomever else. I mean, the only guy that's really been not good throughout the lineup so far, I think, is Neil Walker. Um, so it doesn't worry me at all. The rotation does, though. I'm not sure. They, they really need somebody to step it up real soon. You look at the biggest positive right now. I think you were wondering if Judge was going to take a major step back. This guy's mind is in the right place. Yeah. Of course, the work ethic's in the right place. So you yeah. mentioned uh, that he was able to make the adjustments last year and really turn it on in September. He's taken those improvements, and I could even see a scenario where he strikes out a lot less this year and, and makes improvements in that part of his game. But you look at it, and Judge is playing really well. Stanton, of course, has struggled, but you expect that to turn around. And Sanchez, ever since he started, what was it, 3 for 32, he's been a lot better as well. So the Yankees will turn the corner, but you're right. It's it's the pitching. It, will they receive quality starts? And, 
And, and what will the bullpen be asked to do? Tommy Canley just went down, and we'll see how con- consistent that ends up being. Sanchez has been better behind the plate, too. That's another thing that you know people were very concerned with. Um, his first pass ball, I think, was last night. It was just when he got crossed up on or something like that. He's looked a lot better. Yeah, he's looked a lot better blocking the ball. Um, but Stanton, I mean, Yankees fans aren't concerned, I don't think. I mean, he's below 200 now on his batting average. Again, it's still super early. Mm-hmm. But he's. it just looks like he's trying so hard at the plate. He was swinging on 3-0 pitches that he had no business swinging at yesterday. I think two times in two different at-bats he did that. So I think he's just trying too hard. He's trying. It's getting in his head that – he can't hit the ball right now, and I don't know. I just I don't know how this can turn around right now, to be honest. It's crazy because coming into the season, I expected that out of Judge. I expected the kind of uh, adjustment period needing to be made. I expected pitchers to adjust to him, and not that he was going to be bad over the full season, but I expected maybe a 250-45 home run campaign from Judge. To see Stanton be the one struggling is really, is really st- shocking to me. I mean, I didn't expect it at all. And it's weird because first series, of course, was Toronto, so we'll throw that out. The first series at the stadium is when he really started struggling. And and it seemed like he was – Stanton, of course, has a very close stance, Mm -hmm. and that's something that helps him out ever since he got hit in the jaw with that pitch. And it seemed like he was aiming towards right field. And the key thing with Stanton is people were saying if he misses balls, he'll still hit home runs at Yankee Stadium. I think he was aiming the right field, which is not his strength. By, by any stretch. Now, lately, it seems like he's opening up a little bit more, which is a good sign. But the thing that I can't tend to figure out is there are just some fastballs down the middle, not overpowering whatsoever. He's just missing the ball. It, it, it's not like anything mechanical or with his swing or anything. He's just missing the ball. Right. And, and there's straight fastballs. So there's something that needs to click. And once it clicks, I think he'll take off from there. But I don't know what needs to click. I mean, it's, it's clearly the guy is way too talented. I mean, he's not this player. You know? No. <laughs> I mean, I mean, throughout his entire career, he's been a phenomenal player. Won MVP last year. Should have hit over 60 homers last year. I mean, he, he's he's too good for that. And it's clearly just in his head. So maybe now that Boone's going to move him down the order a little bit, uh, maybe that'll help him. I'm not sure. But definitely the protection he's been getting from – well, Aaron Judge needs protection right now. Uh, Stanton's not providing that. His splits are alarming. They really are. 143 against righties, 353 against lefties, 086 at home, 323 on the road. So, I mean, I, I don't The I Yankee look, Stadium like boo's getting to him? Yeah, <laughs> maybe. maybe. I, mean, I like splits a lot. It's one of my, for me, to, to look at a guy and really break down where he could be struggling is it Yankee Stadium? I mean, because everyone said he's going to get to Yankee Stadium and he's going to destroy the place. You know, he's going to hit 60 homers in that hitter-friendly ballpark. It's still April. I mean, it's still cold. You know, you see these guys wearing these hoods uh, and the long sleeves, and it's it's hard to really, you know, get in a groove in this cold weather. You know, you can't really get loose. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that's a huge concern, whether or not he can play at Yankee Stadium, but... It, it, it exists. I mean, 351 OPS is, is laughable. I think he needs one really good series. I just think he needs one start-to-finish start to really good series at the stadium to put this behind him. And then once the weather starts getting warmer, of course, balls are going to start carrying. And with Stanton, home runs are going to come in bunches. Mm-hmm. Maybe it could be this series, this four-game set against the Blue Jays, because that's a team he was familiar with. That's a team right. he hit. He can remember the fact that he made that great first impression on opening day mm-hmm. and maybe put the rest in the rearview mirror and go back after it. But I think not just the game, he needs a good series start to back where he hits like three or four home runs. Yeah, yeah. And and that's another thing that makes it so puzzling too is that his first game as a Yankee, 
pretty much couldn't have gone any better. Mm-hmm. I mean, two <laughs> home runs. Uh, he 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 made people jump out of their seats, and and it, it's just shocking how how quickly it turned sour. I mean, two, two five strikeout games in. At at a three, yeah. Yeah, you, you talk about confidence. If there was anything that could have given him confidence and put it through the roof, it was that first game. Yeah. That's why it's so weird that he just went in this complete lost spell right after that mm-hmm. happened. And Emmanuel, I know that you know that I wasn't buying this narrative that the Yankees had injury problems. I, I'll give it to you. When you have Jace Peterson starting in the outfield for you, it's an issue. I mean, because when I saw that Billy McKinney went down, I was like, okay, that's not an injury issue. Jacoby Ellsbury's down, that's not an injury issue. Clint Frazier probably wasn't making the opening day roster anyway. But then when it starts to pile up and you have to go and get Jace Peterson, that's where there's the issue. And now you have Canely down, who was a huge contributor last year. So, And CeCe's been banged up. So I, I, I'll go with you that that. It, it, it has been an issue. It, it, it's it's something to keep an eye on because last year, obviously, the Yankees were a game away from the World Series and everything went right for them. You know, like, I mean, Luis Severino hadn't really shown anything up until last season and then he turned into an ace. Aaron Judge, prior to last season, had been striking out half the time and turned into an MVP candidate. They didn't really deal with too many injuries last year and then they went and fortified the strongest bullpen in the league even more. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they deal with these injury problems, you know, similar to what the Mets had to deal with last year when everything went wrong for them. Keep in mind, though, a lot did go right. What went right for the Yankees is by the time the postseason rolled around, everything was in place. Right, exactly. The bullpen was strong. The rotation was strong. The lineup was good top to bottom. But during the season last year, they missed out on Hicks for extended time, Bird for extended time, Gregorius and Sanchez missed the first month. So they did have to deal with their fair share of big injuries. But everything was good by the time the postseason rolled around, which I think is the same thing this year. I think they'll be good enough to make the playoffs, of course. But what will they they be once they make the playoffs? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, maybe they make a move for pitching like they did last year when they got Sonny Gray. They got Jaime Garcia as well as kind of like a backup plan or like a leverage move to Oakland, in my opinion. But the Yankees are going to be fine. Again, same thing like I said with the Mets before. It's still so early uh, that we can't look into it too much, but... Something that everyone is looking into and everyone is going crazy over at this point is Shohei Otani. And he looked indestructible that, you know, maybe he, I I was buying into the narrative that he was just, you know, screwing around in spring training on purpose so people would underestimate him. Um, but then yesterday he has his first bump in the road against the Red Sox. I mean, this is the second best offense actually behind the Angels in baseball right now. And Mookie Betts jumped on him from the get-go and it didn't get better from there. Um, so I don't know if you guys saw last night. Yeah, I mean, it was a 10 o'clock game. I don't know if you guys saw the mm-hmm. highlights or not, but uh, he just didn't really have it last night. Well, I mean, I think that you need to look at that. Um, his first two games, obviously he plays in a small market. I know it's L.A., but it's nowhere near the other West Coast teams out there. Um, and he played his first two games in the Angel Stadium and then the Coliseum where not a ton of pressure in either, either of those uh, situations. So then you go to Fenway Park, which is a madhouse, a hitter's park. He's also throwing, you know, 100-mile-per-hour heat. The ball was bound to jump off the bat. Um, well, yeah, yesterday so, was in L.A. Right. My bad, my bad, my bad. But, but a hot lineup LA. nonetheless. Right, a hot lineup num- nonetheless. My bad. Thanks, man. <laughs> but the point remains that you're running into the hottest team in the entire league exactly. after going against the A's back-to-back, and – I'm not overly worried about it. He didn't pitch terribly. Three runs in two innings isn't great, obviously, but he left with a blister, and I think that it was just kind of a wake-up call. 
Not that the A's are a bad lineup. They have some good young players in Matt Chapman and Matt Olson, but the Red Sox were a different level, and you have one through five in that lineup is insane. And I wasn't really surprised that much to see them jump on this young pitcher. And, I mean, you look at a guy like Otani, and I hate to draw the parallels, but similar stuff, you think about the splitter with him and Tanaka. When the splitter isn't on, it can he can run into problems. And the Angels are managing him in an interesting way, probably a good way for someone who's just coming over and this young where they're only pitching him once a week. And if a guy like Tanaka's handled in the same way, he's right. probably throwing 96, 97 miles yeah. an hour and letting it loose. So Otani does have electric stuff, but when he doesn't have that splitter, early yesterday you were seeing him yanking a couple of splitters. A lot of them were up in the strike zone, and the Red Sox jumped all over it. So it was really a case of his first rough start where he didn't have it, and that's going to be the key for him. Yeah. When he doesn't have that splitter working, and, and we know how filthy that splitter is, is he able to battle through and give you five innings of two or three run ball? Yeah, I mean, it's going to happen. Um, it's baseball. You know, you're going to have a day where you leave – the wrong pitch at the wrong time with the middle of the plate or you have a rough start like Otani did and you know you're just not going to have it that day um Otani less so with Tanaka I think if he doesn't have the splitter it'll it'll hurt him just because he can get that fastball up to 100 miles an hour um and then he has like two or three different types of sliders that that are like frisbees basically but Yesterday, just didn't really have it. I mean, something else I'm hearing, and we'll finish up now, um, something else I'm hearing that they want him to, well, people on MLB Network and, you know, other uh, baseball outlets are saying they want to see him hit on the days that he pitches because he's not going to hit on the day before or after he pitches. So he'll hit three times a week. And is it worth it to bring that up to four times a week? Because, I mean, arguably he's been a better hitter than he has been a pitcher at this point so far. I think it's definitely – worth considering just because the angels are a very good team right now and if they're a great, lineup, a great well. lineup if you're in august and september and you're trying to win a division title you want to run your best lineup out there every day and the fact that they're only getting three days of him a week i don't think is enough especially if he's able to keep up somewhat close to this type of production the purest part of me wants to see him hit on the day he pitches just to see the aldh waved because I think that would just be cool to see. I think it would be cool, it, too. <laughs> it would be really cool. And I think the Angels are going to want the most runs. So I think three days may turn into four, may turn into five as the season moves along. I think it's too early for that right now, though. I, I agree. I think it's too early. I think right now he's still making the adjustment to the major leagues. Um, and, you know, I know he pitched in Japan beforehand, but it's just a different animal. And I think I would rather him, on the days that he pitches, just focus on pitching, not trying to prepare for who he's going up against at the plate as well. Just focus on the pitching for the time being. And I also think it would be really cool to see the DH waved. I know we saw that last year with Bumgarner for a couple games. That was great. During the Giants interleague play. So I would love to see that on a more regular basis with Otani. I'm a DH guy. I'll always be a pro (laughs) DH guy. I mean, we wouldn't have David Ortiz if we didn't have the DH. Well, I like the DH. I would just – I think it's cool to see change sometimes. And I think the fact that Otani's a two-way player, I think it would be cool just to see – a guy who's a beast, maybe a pitcher batting fifth in the lineup, <laughs> yeah. a- and rightfully so. So yeah. maybe we could see a time where Otani's pitching and batting fifth. Maybe it's a home run in the game and throw seven scoreless. And I'm also a National League baseball guy, so yeah. I want to see that. <laughs> yeah, It'd be pretty unbelievable though, yeah. to see that yeah. happen. It, it that would be cool. Yeah, so fun show, guys. Um, we're going to make this a little more regular. We'll try to get it on a weekly basis or bi-weekly basis um, as we get into the season a little bit more. Um so from David Spampanato, Emmanuel Barbari, Devin Clementi, have a good week. And, uh, yeah, that's all we got.